1: When police begin investigating a series of crimes in a small town in Italy, they have no clue they're about to stumble across a disgusting conspiracy. And then we take a look at the story I promised you on Friday. What happens when a man is abducted by aliens, and the first thing he does is unzip his pants and pee all over their UFO? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. (laughs) Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio, I'm your host Jason Carpenter, I'm having a great day, I hope you guys are having a great day too, I hope you guys had a great weekend, I'm not going to talk this fast the whole episode, so let me slow down a little bit, a little bit, but we do have a lot of stuff to cover in this episode. First off, let's give a shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, Kyle. Everyone give a round of applause to Kyle. He's driving like a little clown car. Beep, beep, beep. Driving around in circles, honking his horn and stuff like that. It's super loud. I can't even record the podcast. But it's cool because he's supporting the Patreon. He can drive around all he wants. If you can't support the Patreon, you can still drive around as much as you want. But you can also help spread the word about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. You can't support it financially. Support it by helping out with the street team marketing. Both are very, very important. So, Kyle, go ahead. You can hop out of that clown car. We're first going to put you in the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed out to a small town in Italy. Now, I'm going to say, first off, this story was recommended to me by Fabio. Fabio Nurbon. He's actually, at this point, our Italian correspondent. Sent a ton of great stuff over from Italy. The family that was doing the Ouija board and got possessed, that was a great one. He sent me this story. Hats off to you. I also got to say this, though. Before we get there, Kyle doesn't have a choice. He's piloting a dead rabbit dirigible. This first story is going to make you mad. This first story is really going to piss you guys off. It really pisses me off. So, I, I recommend sticking around. Because I think it's an important story, but um, if, you, if you have any pitchforks nearby, uh, lock them up for now. Put them in a timed safe. If you happen to live anywhere near this town in Italy, you might want to drive away from it. Get away from it so you can't get back anytime soon. Um, let's go here. Kyle, as the Derabit Dirigible is descending, it's the year 2018. We're headed to Bibiano. We're headed to Bibiano in Italy. Dead Rabbit Dirigible, Kyle is driving it through the clouds. Clouds are starting to get gray and dark. It's 2018. Kyle lands the Dead Rabbit Dirigible outside of this clinic and we walk in and we're standing behind a two-way mirror or is it a one-way mirror? (laughs) Which one's a regular mirror? I think it's a two-way mirror. We're just looking at reflections of ourselves. You got to get the jokes in now because this story gets grim. We're looking through a window other people can't see us is what it is. And we're standing there in our lab coats. And on the other side, there's a child psychologist and there's a little girl there. Let's say she's like 10. And the child psychologist is sitting there and the girl's crying. Why can't I see my daddy? You're like, Jason, that's not the voice of a 10-year-old girl. That's six. Fine. She's six. Why can't I see my daddy? The girl says. And then the child psychologist says, don't you remember? Don't you remember? You don't want to see him. You, don't, you said you didn't want to see him anymore. I remember you telling me you don't want to see him anymore. And the little girl's sitting there, and she goes, I didn't say that. No, I didn't say that. And the child psychologist goes, yes, you did. You said you didn't want to see him anymore because you were afraid that he would hurt you, remember? Do you remember that? You said that he was going to hurt you, and if you saw him again, maybe he'd get mad, and he'd seek out vengeance. Do you remember how much you feared your father? Don't you remember? And the little girl sitting there, and she just begins sobbing, because she doesn't remember. She doesn't remember that at all. Now, what I just read you, I changed a little bit of the lines, or that's pretty much verbatim quotes that were said between this little girl and this child psychologist. Now, the police kept getting called into this town, because they kept getting reports of children being abused by their families. And this was happening so much, the police were like, oh, great. They'd see Bibiano on the caller ID. They're like, ugh, another one of these. They would go out, and there'd be a family, and they'd say, know, I, I, I didn't abuse my kids. I've never touched my kids. Like, sure, maybe I'll yell at them every once in a while. Shouldn't have admitted that, but I'm, I'm not hurting my kids. And the cops would say, listen, we're getting these complaints. People are saying this. That we're going to have your kid taken into the foster system. And parents are freaking out. They're like, we're, not, we're totally innocent. We didn't do anything. Child would be removed from the home, placed into the foster system. The parents would be investigated. But what happened was, the police kept coming out here. They kept running these investigations. And over a matter of a couple months, eventually the police all got together and they go, There's a lot of people being falsely accused of abusing their children in this town. A lot of them. So that's when the police started Operation Angels and Demons. This is what they found out. This was really infuriating. The mayor of the town, allegedly, allegedly, the mayor of the town, a couple of local doctors, a couple of local child psychologists, and friends of theirs, families that they knew in this town, had come up with this scheme. So here was this scheme. This is what they were doing. They were going... And finding families that were already in a bit of distress. So maybe the dad had a drinking problem. Maybe they were just poor. Maybe they didn't have on the nicest clothes and everyone at in school made fun of them. The mayor of the town's like, ah, look at that guy. He's wearing crummy jeans. They would find these families that weren't the best family to begin with. But sometimes it could just be that they didn't have a lot of money. They would then make a report that those children were being abused. And the police would come in and they would separate the children from the household. Once the psychologists and once the doctors got a hold of the children, they forged drawings that made it look like a little kid drew them of a sexual nature. Then they would have these drawings and they could present them to the police and go, this is what Sally drew once you dropped her off in this office. We asked her what was going on and she drew this picture. Completely forged drawings to make it look like a kid did it. They then did this weird thing too where they'd say, let's pretend, let's put on a play. Let's put on a play with with about you. And the kid's like, what? This is so weird. I just want to go home and see my parents. And the psychologists would pretend. They'd go, you pretend to be you, and I'll pretend to be your parents. And then they would be mean to them, pretending as they were their parent. And then sometimes they would dress up as like the Wicked Witch of the West and be like, I'm your mommy, remember me? I'm your mommy. And be super mean to the kid. And these kids, they, they were not nine. I kind of highballed it in the beginning. This would be really effective on someone below the age of six, this mental torment. And then if that didn't work, no joke, this happened in 2018. If that didn't work, or even if it did work, and they just wanted to take it to the next level, they had what was known as the Lil Memory Machine. Lil Memory Machine. It was an electroshock therapy machine, where they were shocking these children and giving them false memories. Of sexual abuse by their own parents. What was the point of all this? Was it some sick fetish thing? Maybe. But what we do know, what the police believe it is, money. They were selling these children to these other homes. So you take a kid from a house that was disadvantaged. But even if they were like alcoholic parents, that's bad. But that's not sexually abusing these kids. Right, I've known parents who are alcoholics, and they're really, really bad parents. And they would never do this type of stuff. But can you imagine having your kids taken away because of it? And you know it's not true. And the kids knew it wasn't true. This little girl goes, that never happened. I'm not afraid to see my dad. What are you talking about? And the only reason why this blew up was because the police realized they were investigating all of these claims... And they were false. They're investigating all of these families. And they're not finding any proof. But these kids are now in these foster homes. They were selling the children to friends of theirs. And to make to make this even worse. If this story could get even worse. Some of the kids were removed from their home. Under false pretenses that the children were being sexually abused by their parents. They were moved into foster homes. They were sexually abused in their foster homes. It's false. Infuri This story is infuriating, and it's funny because you think it's is it just like some urban legend. This was actually discussed in the European Union Parliament. This was a huge issue, and it's been completely just disappeared. The last thing that I, they had a couple articles come out in June, I believe, of 2018, when the story first broke, and then when the European Union Parliament they had a a, a like a side meeting about it, about you know how can we prevent this in the future. That that meeting was in 2019, nothing since. We don't know if how the trial proceeded. We don't know if the charges were like stuck to these people. We don't know if they're in jail or if they've been able to avoid it. We don't know. But it's not some weird urban legend. I'm saying allegedly because legally, none of this has been proven, but the story itself took place. Whether the people who were arrested are actually guilty, that's for the courts to decide, if they decide it. These would be powerful people. The mayor of town? But I wouldn't be shocked if this story has just disappeared at this point. I haven't found any information on it. I was using... I looked... Fabio, from what I could gather, didn't find any additional information on it as well. He sent me over some stuff. I think I wouldn't be surprised if all these charges have just disappeared. These were powerful people who were breaking the law. And those are the hardest people to convict. You know, for every O.J. Simpson... (laughs) That's a bad example. He got off, but... For every powerful person that does actually Bernie... For every Bernie Madoff, there's a thousand other people who are able to just buy... Jeffrey Epstein got out of jail the first time. So, you know, it's just infuriating that this stuff happens. But Kyle, let's go ahead and leave behind the town of Bibiano, Italy. Call in that carpenter copter. This is just a gross town. Sorry if you guys live there, but... You might want to at least vote this mayor out. It's a legend. Maybe they didn't really do it, but I don't know. <laughs> at a certain point, you just kind of got to shrug your shoulders and say, hopefully these guys got what they deserved. Kyle is now in the cockpit of the Carpenter Copter. We are headed out to High Point, New Jersey. It's September 1985, and there's a young man. He's camping by himself all in the woods. We'll call him Chuck. Which may actually be his real name. We'll get to that in a little bit. But Chuck, it's midnight too. Forgot to add that. So to add the mood, it's super spooky. The sun is gone, and though you guys know when, you guys know what nighttime is. Chuck is sleeping in his tent. He hears the owl outside, ooh, ooh, and like squirrels. Uh, I guess they're sleeping too. It's nighttime, so he hears little squirrels snoring, doing that. And then he notices something. He hears the sounds of the forest getting quieter. I can't, I can't make a quiet owl. But what he imagines is... Or not what he imagines. Well, maybe he imagined it. But what he hears is he heard the owl. And then he's getting farther and farther away from the owl. Now, he's sleeping in his tent. And he's like, huh? What? This is weird. Sound doesn't normally work like this. Even though he's perfectly still... He hears the sound of the owl getting farther and farther away. And he starts like trying to get up and he realizes there's no ground underneath the tent. He's like, What? I assume, I assume he said that. I assume he immediately panicked. He realizes then that the tent and everything in it, including him, is floating off of the ground. And then all of a sudden, the tent stops floating. Now, that would be a cause to panic, obviously, if you're in an airplane and it stops flying. It stops doing the thing it needs to do to stay afloat. You would be panicked, but he's not. Well, he is panicked, but he's not falling. At least he's panicked on something. The tent he can now feel is on solid ground again. So maybe, he, you know, he had some bad food before he's having food poisoning. (laughs) Is that what happens when you get food poisoning? You feel like you're flying up whenever you get food poisoning. You can't hear owls. Isn't that a symptom? He unzips the tent and he crawls out. And the first thing that happens, dunk, 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 his hand, <laughs> Like Jason, I have no idea what that sound effect supposed to be. His hand reaches out of the tent and it hits metal, like metal grating. Now you know the sound effect. <laughs> Next hand hits the grating. He's crawling out. You're like, Jason, Lizzie is <laughs> also made of metal. That's not what it would sound like if you're crawling on a metal grate. He realizes that he's in a metal room. He is no longer in the forest. He's no longer floating in the air. He's in a metal room. And it's filled with fog. He's looking there. And through the fog, he sees a man wearing a gray uniform. Now, Chuck does what is really the only sensible thing right now. He just crawls back into the tent, right? There's really not not much you can do at this point. You would go, you would crawl into the tent. It'd be kind of shocking, but then you'd go back out and you'd be like, "Hey, buddy, what's up?" Like you would definitely find the heaviest object in your tent, which might just be your fists. But you would you would confront the guy because other what are you going to do? Just stay in there for the rest of your life? Well, Chuck doesn't do either of those things. <laughs> stay in there for the rest of his life. This isn't creepypasta that we're making up. He, He didn't die in there. He also doesn't come out and confront the stranger. At a certain point, he's in the tent for a while, and he goes, I have to pee. I gotta pee, man. So you can pee in your tent. You can pee in a cup. I'm thinking of other places you can pee other than what he's about to do, and I've given it away In the intro of the episode, he crawls out of the tent. So now he's in a mist-filled metal room somewhere. He doesn't see the gray stranger. He doesn't see the gray uniform stranger when he crawls back out. But somewhere in the mist, you have to imagine there is a man in a gray uniform. Just because you can't see him doesn't mean he doesn't exist. You're not a toddler. He probably still is there. But Chuck is like, dude, I really got to pee, man. My back teeth are floating. So he unzips his pants and begins peeing in a UFO, which is amazing. In all of my years of researching UFO stuff, I don't think I've ever even come across anyone having any... I mean, you guys can correct me. I may have talked about it on the show, but have people ever pooped on a UFO? I don't think... There was the story about the guy who got kidnapped, the little boy who got kidnapped by the bears in the National Park. and His grandma was a robot, and he pooped on a piece of paper for his grandma. You're like, Jason, you've never covered that on the show. It's actually really well-known. I'll try to put it in the show notes. I've never covered it because it's actually one of the most well-known, like missing 411 stories, but you had a boy poop on a piece of paper for that, and I'm sure there's, I'm sure I've talked about bodily waste and menstrual blood and stuff like that due to UFOs experimenting on people, but I can think of another time where someone's actually willingly peed or pooped in a UFO, but this guy's doing it, he's breaking all sorts of boundaries. Now, he could have just, sometimes when you have to pee, you know how you just do the bare amount of pee, like you're watching something really good on television and you can't pause it, so you run, and you just pee just enough so the pain goes away, and then you run back out, and you go, what I missed? there's a huge wet spot on your pants. Don't tell me you guys haven't done that. So but my question is, did he pee just a little bit, or did he let it go? Did he empty his bladder? Because, you know, any port in a storm, <laughs> any star port in a storm, he's just peeing all over this UFO. Now, again, I don't know if he will. I keep saying all over. I don't think he was walking around each corner and marking his territory, going, Wee! Making it spin around. He might have just peed in a corner. It could have just been enough to make the pain go away. But whatever the whatever he did, the you, you can guess what's coming next. The residents of the UFO did not like this. And this is where the story actually gets super weird. He's peeing on the UFO. And then a huge wind blows him back into the tent. Whoosh, he falls back into the tent. And then he gets gets close to the microphone again. And as he's in the tent, he hears a massive explosion. He hears explosions all around him. Did he find the secret to destroying alien aircraft? He hears these explosions. He opens back up the tent. He's no longer in a metal room. His hand reaches out. What? I'll cut to the chase. It's mud. It's mud. I'm not going to give you the sound effects. He reaches his hand out and he touches mud. And when he crawls out of the tent, he's in a battlefield. (laughs) Bombs are going off all around his tent. He's like, damn it. I knew I should have held it. I knew I should have held it a little bit longer. He's crawling through this battlefield and he sees a chain link fence. In front of him, but it's all broken and there's a big rip in it. Conveniently a man-sized hole in it. He crawls through the hole and now he's standing on asphalt. And that's when he sees... (laughs) Helicopters flying overhead towards the battle. Where in the world is this dude? And... This is way a big overreaction for being in a UFO, right? That's all he did. If when your dog pees in the corner of your house, you don't teleport him to an alternate reality of unending war. Just, you know, hit him with a newspaper. But that's not what the aliens did. They sent him to this alternate reality. He sees these helicopters. He sees these explosions all in the distance. Then he sees a door to the left. (laughs) Basically, he turns to his right. He sees the utter unending hell of man versus man he turns to the left, he sees an oak door. He's like, hmm, where should I go first? Maybe there's a toilet behind that door. So he turns left. He goes through the door. Eep! Apparently, apparently Urkel's behind the door. He walks inside, and he's in a hotel room. Now at this point, you're like, Jason, damn it. Are you reading us some dude's dream? Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just this is not a dream this is not a dream whatever it is it could be totally made up it could be 100 percent authentic but at no point does he say and then i woke up okay just just so we're clear he <laughs> he leaves behind the hellscape that is war and just walks in a hotel room and there is a table in the hotel room. I imagine it's all like fancy plush like stuff. I don't imagine it's like a Motel 6. There's like cockroaches everywhere. Sorry, Motel 6. But I imagine it's a really plush hotel. But he walks in and there's like, I don't know why I'm so hung up on the interior designing. I was about to say there's lush curtains. I don't know. It's just a hotel. It might just have an air conditioner built up into the wall and two twin beds. But that's none of that's important. What's important is there is a table there that has a bunch of food on it. Listen, man, I get that Alice in Wonderland is not a documentary. I get that that's not like an actual survival guide for the paranormal. But I would not eat food that I found in an interdimensional door that, on the outside, is a hellscape of human suffering. Like I was just, you just know better than that, right? You know better than that. If you go over to your friend's house and there's a bunch of cheese spreads on their table, you're going to eat it. You're going to eat all. You're going to eat every single piece of cheese, and that's fine. But if you're in an alternate dimension, even like you go back to the stories of the fairies, you don't eat their food. This dude just starts eating apples and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe been hot pastrami sandwiches. Those are a little bit harder to turn down. But he begins eating their food. Ooh. He starts to get a little sleepy. Damn it. Damn it. He does go to sleep. Okay. But it's still not a dream. I didn't. I forgot that part. I forgot that part. It's not a dream. <laughs> I totally. Okay. So he. But see. No, 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 no. I know what you guys are thinking. It was all just a dream. Hold on he, this was all, this is all real, he eats the food, he gets sleepy, then he falls to sleep, but then he wakes up later, but it's still not, it's still not just a dream, it's still not just a dream, he wakes up later, and he's like, Ugh. he wakes up from not a dream, and he has a weird thing in his head, not like a, an implant, a thought, that's what the humans call those things, he has a thought in his head, he goes, hmm, maybe i don't know why i just have a hunch if i press my pinky against the wall something will happen he puts his finger against the wall and then a white hot light envelops his body He's kind of getting what he deserves at this point he's getting disintegrated what actually happens though is that the hot white light envelops his whole body and the next thing he knows he's laying stiff on the forest floor what oh man he looks up at the night sky the owl is still perched on that same tree ooh, ooh. <laughs> he rubs his eyes and he's like what a dream no, I'm just joking it wasn't a dream but he did hitchhike his way home i know there's a lot of questions about this story i have a few myself first off why did he hitchhike home like couldn't he just take in his own car Secondly, was his tent still, you're (laughs) like, Jason, those are your questions, those are your questions, well, yeah, I'm curious, like, why didn't he just take his own car home, where is his tent, but that story was told, I got it from ThinkAboutItDocs.com, they got it from a man named Chuck Mineta, so it may, Chuck Mineta may be the guy who this story happened to, and I would love to track it down, I actually was able to track down Chuck Mineta's website, He has a website. Now, I can't guarantee that it'll work on your mobile devices because it uses the most basic HTML I've seen in decades. It has frames. You remember frames? This is basically two web pages in one. I don't even know if it'll work on most browsers because when I went to it, because I wanted to know more about this guy, this is what I've been able to gather. He's a retired firefighter, he uses Twitter for one thing only. To win firearms. Apparently he keeps retweeting this stuff saying I enter to win this six hour fully automatic <laughs> weapon. Like <laughs> just all this stuff. Every tweet is like, I use this to, to get this Colt 45. I use this to Okay, oh, hey, Cobra Commander, how many weapons do you need? How many contests are you entering? Why do you need all this stuff? Now I'm sure he's a great guy, but he has I hope so, because he has all these weapons. But Chuck Manetta has this website where it's basically two things it's a list of paranormal experiences he's been through and his favorite car chases (laughs) his favorite car chases and flash mobs so it's basically two sides of this website one is actually pertains to what we talk about on the show that i spent maybe five minutes on because it was a solid wall of text and it hurt my eyeballs the other one was car chase scenes and flash mobs on youtube and i wish i spent way too much time and that side of the website doesn't even work you click on the flash mob and then nothing pops up so then i was like dang it i love flash mobs so then i had to go back to the main page and look at the title of the video and then type it in youtube flash mob attacks hotel man with many guns saves the day i was like hmm maybe this does have to do with the show And then he has like scenes from Bullet and uh, Ronin and all these car chase movies. Nothing from Fast and the Furious. That was bizarre. Nothing from Transformers 3. Had great car chase scenes in that. But let's go back to the paranormal thing. So he has the the enthusiasm in my voice. I don't want to say goodbye to my flash mobs. He has this whole list of paranormal stuff that he went through. And it might be a I was just skimming it. Because it's so it was just one of those web pages where it's there's like no break and it's just a mountain of text I'm reading through and he's like one day, like I heard something, and then he has like these sound effects. <laughs> like, Jason, he's, he's basically just you, but using HTML. But I just like, yeah, it just just get to the point. Like you saw a ghost, your wife saw a ghost, you woke up one day, the ghost stopped being there. I think his kids were complaining there was green monsters in his closet. And then it went thump, 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 thump. And then like it never showed up again. That was literally like 4,000 words to tell that story. And then he also... This this was disappointing. So I'm going to share it with you. I'm skimming this stuff at this point. Because there's so much stuff to go by. He says that once he found a Bigfoot egg. And I was like, oh, now we're cooking with grease. He says that he found a Bigfoot egg. He found this big furry... Ball and at this point i'm like dude you're making this up but at least this is something right this is something he found this bigfoot egg he's is like six to eight inches in diameter is this big furry egg and he took it home and then he set it on the counter and then he's watching the news and it's like citizens of the world beware and i was like wait what you're making up a story you might not want to make up the part where everyone on the planet is warned about it i was like, what? But I was like, okay, I'm game at this point. My eyes hurt from reading all this other stuff. The news report's like, watch out. If you find a little fur ball, it's not just a puppy, because he thought it was a puppy, and he thought it was a perfectly spherical puppy. And so I'm reading this, and the guy's like, the reporter's like, be careful if you find this puppy, because it's not a puppy. It's actually a space ape, it's a space ape baby. I'm like what? And then he goes and he gets in his airplane in his backyard. Apparently, he has a runway. At this point, I should have realized what I was reading. He says, it's not Creepy Boss. That's actually worse. He says that he had a plane in his backyard. He goes, he gets in his plane. He starts flying away. He left the the Bigfoot egg. But as he's flying away, he looks in his rearview mirror and he looks, and Bigfoot's in the back of the airplane. I'm reading that and then it's and then it says and then I and then I woke up. I'm like, damn it, dude! And so I scrolled up, and that's under his section. that said recollections and dreams. Which I was skimming so quickly. I spent five minutes reading about this dude's dream. I was like, come on, bro, I'm busy, dude. Do you know how busy I am? I don't have time to read about baby bigfoot. I would love to read about baby Bigfoot eggs. But not if you're dreaming about him. So I had to share that disappointment with you. I don't think this... <laughs> I don't think this story was a dream, though. But when I looked through his mountain of text, I couldn't find this story. So I don't even know if this is Chuck's story. We're back to peeing on the UFO. Because Chuck's story... that If anyone ever asked you, Hey, man, have you ever had any paranormal encounters? You wouldn't be like, Well, I had a dream once. You might, like, <laughs> after a couple of conversations... But if anyone ever asks you, have you ever seen, have you ever experienced anything weird? You want to say, yeah, one time me and my wife heard something walking down the stairs, but then we didn't see anything. You would go, I peed on a UFO. That'd be the very first thing you'd talk about in this wall of text. And I couldn't find it. So again, my eyeballs could have completely gotten fried at some point. I could have spent too much time watching the Flash Home videos. I don't know if Chuck actually experienced this. I think he... Heard this story from someone else and he reported it for his website, which is apparently called Computer Network, or that was a magazine he used to work for. The whole thing's super confusing, but putting behind, it wasn't a dream, (laughs) the other part was, but whether or not the pedigree of the story is real, like we always can go back to that, is it real, was it completely made up, it wasn't a dream. I stand by the fact that as far as we know, it wasn't a dream, but whenever we have these solo witness stories, it could totally be fake. It could be, but we also cover so much weird stuff on this show that is a single witness, and then we're able to find little pieces of evidence that actually back it up, that I don't think it's fair to automatically dismiss stories like this out of hand. Definitely suspicious. There's more witnesses it makes it more, I don't want to say more true, but more verifiable. But I think the story's really interesting, not necessarily because the guy peed on the UFO, he was thrown around to alternate dimensions, all that stuff, which all that stuff is fascinating in and of itself, but I think it's interesting. I want to wrap it up like this. This story is completely out there and it's never gotten a lot of attention and it may have not gotten a lot of attention because it's fake or it may just gotten not a lot of attention because it's obscure. But This is one of those stories that is so bizarre that it actually (laughs) disrupts the lore of UFOology. Imagine if that was the very first UFO story you had ever heard. You never watched anything about the X-Files, you never heard anything about Betty and Barney Hill, you never heard anything about gray aliens, Whitney Stryver, UFO abductions, Roswell, cattle mutilations, none of that. Imagine if the very first UFO story you heard was this story, about a man who's out camping and then he appears on the ship and these bizarre events, these trans-dimensional events take place. It would totally change the way you look at UFOs. One, you want to look at them really as a physical thing. You want to think of aliens as having some sort of government or some sort of structure. You wouldn't have this idea of really there's not really even a mention of a UFO or a craft in the story. I think it's interesting because so much of what we know about aliens is builds on top of each other which a lot of times again adds credence to it if you have one person who goes hey i'm from sweden and he, and he tells you stuff about sweden and you've never met anyone from sweden before you may go that guy's totally nuts donald duck during christmas time they have taco tuesdays what the hell's going on over in sweden but as you get to know more people from sweden it's you, everything starts to make sense <laughs> well I mean, it doesn't necessarily make sense but you realize that There's other people from Sweden, and they also believe and do the same things. But if you'd only ever met that one person from Sweden, and they told you all this weird stuff, you'd have a real hard time processing it. And stories like this are so outside of the norm. It's like a guy coming from Sweden, but he has paranoid delusions. And he's telling you stuff about Sweden. He's telling you he's Donald Duck. You're like, what? No, you're not. He's like, rah, 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 rah. And it would totally, whenever, you would be afraid to meet other people from Sweden. The only person you ever met from Sweden was insane. And I'm not saying Chuck's insane, but this story is insane. It's a such a bizarre story. We, as fans of this, Dead Rabbit Radio listeners, we are ten toes deep. We're way beyond the normal stuff on the show. We don't talk about Whitney Stryber, except in passing. We don't talk about Betty and Barney Hill, except in passing. That's all surface-level UFOlogy. In this show, we as a group have descended way past that. So for us to talk about this story, it's interesting, but we have the background for it. For a beginner, UFOologist, this story would blow their brains out. It, they would have such a hard time. We can ask. I'm sure you guys are also asking too. Why did they have to hitchhike home? We're so used to weird stuff on this show. This story is bizarre even by our standards, but it's not so bizarre. I always think that's an interesting thing. This show focuses on the most obscure stories. And the stories are only going to get even more bizarre going forward. And it doesn't make them any less true. I think that this story could easily be as true as any other UFO encounter where it's very by-the-book. Guy driving through the middle of nowhere, UFO abducts him, they show him some star maps, they talk to him about the environment, and then they drop him back off, and four hours have passed. Those stories are a dime a dozen. I wouldn't even do the podcast if that's all I talked about. You wouldn't listen to it because it'd be super boring. But I think it's fascinating because we can just stumble across these absolutely off-the-wall stories, and it makes me think how many more are out there that are just insane versions of alien abductions or phenomenon. It is a spooky world out there, guys. Whole lot of madness going on. We are only starting on this journey. So my advice to you is to go on Twitter. <laughs> go on Twitter and start winning guns. Because if we want to survive the madness, we're going to have to be armed. And we're going to have to be armed for free. All your guns, they have to have been won in a contest. That is the way the universe demands it. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash Radio